West of Arkham, the hills rise wild, and there are valleys with deep woods that no axe has ever cut. There are dark, narrow glens where the trees slope fantastically, and where thin brooklets trickle without ever having caught the glint of sunlight. On the gentler slopes there are farms, ancient and rocky, with squat, moss-coated cottages brooding eternally over old New England secrets in the lee of great ledges. But these are all vacant now, the wide chimneys crumbling and the shingled sides bulging perilously beneath low gambrel roofs. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are... A, a Very British, British Horror. So, Paul, what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, there was possibly a little clue, if you're a bit of a horror nerd, in the opening paragraph that you read, which was for, uh, The Colour Out of Space by H.P. Lovecraft, which um, has been filmed, I think, at least twice. Three times, I believe. Brilliant. Um... Uh, but we'll be looking at the 1965 film version of it with Boris Karloff called Die, Monster, Die. Yes. Now, it's fair to say this is not a very loyal adaption of the Lovecraft book. Um, but I think the first thing to do is maybe talk a little bit about the history, because this film was made by American International Pictures. AIT. American, did you say? Yeah, I did say American International Pictures, yes. International, in this case, meaning Britain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, American British Pictures is what we're actually talking about. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, AIP, obviously the studio of Roger Corman. Yep. And... Um, Roger Corman had in 1963 made um, the first ever serious adaptation of Lovecraft's work, which he called Edgar Allan Poe's The Haunted Palace. Palace. Yes, <laughs> um, a, a film that was actually an adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's Charles Dexter Ward. Um, two years later, the, the same company, um, obviously wanting to carry on the kind of style of film that Roger Corman had popularised, but didn't have Roger Corman, didn't have any more Edgar Allan Poe, so went back to the H.P. Lovecraft back catalogue, pulled out the colour out of space, thought, right, fine, we can make this a... Yeah. I, I, I think they seem to have picked... I, I think a lot of H.P. Lovecraft stuff is quite would be quite odd to film. But I think a lot of it would work really nicely film-wise. And by picking the colour out of space, which is essentially about a colour from space, it's about some weird alien gaseous liquidy thing that can only be described as a colour. Were they not sort um, sort of shooting themselves in the foot trying to to, to make the film of this in 1965. Well, there were many others they could have chosen, I think, that would have been uh, much more in keeping with that that, that gothic-y, creepy 
style. I just think they. Well, I, th- I think I think there are several advantages to choosing the color out of space. Um, the the first I think major advantage is that it's not actually full of Lovecraftian mythology, the, the Cthulhu mythos. No. Um, which you know, back in the sixties, especially, would have been pretty difficult to to translate. Yeah, but then Lovecraft I mean, doesn't oh, have. Oh, Di Palace did have some of it though, but yeah. um, but in 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 Die Monster Die, um, I think, uh, the the Lovecraftian story is kind of merged with elements that um, actually taken from Charles Dexter Ward, but also you know it's 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 converted almost back to the English Gothic stories that Lovecraft was building on, but wasn't writing. Yeah. Um, and also, I think they ignore most of the story, which helps, I think. So. Yeah, I mean, The Colour Out of Space, which uh, well, we both reread um, for this podcast, um, is actually horrible. I mean, it really. I, I read it a few years ago, and absolutely, it was. Because oh, I, I read a load of Lovecraft then, uh, uh, like. I read one of the collections and that was in it and it was stuck it's, it's stuck out to me as just particularly nasty I think I it's think it's like proper I mean it's, it is really horrific it really works sometimes yeah. Lovecraft now I think is more dark fantasy you yeah. don't really it's not really scary you just enjoy the, the creatures and yeah. the, um, I, I think one of the things that 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 goes in its favour is that with a lot of Lovecraft stories they they involve somebody purposely looking into something or trying to gain knowledge that they shouldn't have and and well, so there's, a, so there's, like a, that, there's yeah. an element of this kind of uh, greed for knowledge from the main characters a lot of the time they're just desperate to try and find out more about something they've discovered or they discover something they shouldn't have but in the, in the color and in kind of that space it's just a simple farmer who just happens to be in the wrong place he's unlucky which it, is just you can tell he's a, he's a nice guy nice family man yeah. <laughs> nice farm yeah and meteorite falls out of the sky and he's screwed yeah they're all screwed yeah <laughs> yeah and but i i found I, I particularly didn't like what happens to the children yeah in it. it's it's really Horrible, and there are no children in Die Monster Die. No, and I, th- I think I think. Ah. No, there is one, but she's not a child. But yes, go on. Well, she's the child of one yeah, of the other characters. Two a of child. the other characters. No. She's not actually a child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas um, in Color Out of Space, there's quite a young boy who meets horrible yes. fate. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It really is nasty. But then um, that's good horror writing. Yeah, and and I'm rereading it again. Um, it, it it is brilliant. It's just I uh, love Lovecraft was just so in control of language that mm. you know if he wants to really horrify you, he really can. And oh god, yeah, yeah. nasty, but but great. Yeah. Uh, um. So, uh, and also what uh, coming back to my point about why maybe it wasn't such a bad choice, science fiction horror. So it's, it's the whole. There is no. I think there's one or two allusions mm. to to the uh, other stuff he's written because, and he yeah. sets the story in Arkham or the countryside outside of Arkham. Um, yeah. But but this meteorite that causes the problem isn't um, 
isn't um, like the old ones or anything like that. It's, no, it's, no. it's just an invader from another world. Well, I, I don't even get the sense, the sense that it's the, uh, an invader. It's just, again, I think that adds to the tragedy of it. Is I think it's just a something that's found itself here and found itself trapped somehow. And, 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 it, um, and, and it's just trying to survive until yes. it can escape. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's. I think, that's and I think that sort of adds to the tragedy as well, and I, that's. And, and it's important to say, in "Die Monster Die," it's, that's not followed. No. Uh, or, or, well, or, or really the sci-fi bit necessarily. No, I, think, There's no, no, I think. I think "Die Monster Die" is actually a science fiction film. There's no supernatural element in "Die Monster Die" at all. No, that's true. But yeah, which which, which is quite it's quite good. Mm. Um, but. Well, and it, it actually deliberately introduces. Well, you know, let's, let's, let's say that um, the character in the Colorado Space of the farmer is a guy called Nahum Gardner, mm. New England farmer. In Die Monster Die, that character is called Nahum Whitley, yeah. played by Boris Karloff. Um, sadly, mostly in a wheelchair because this is right at the end of his. Professional career. Yeah. Well, not not quite no. the, the very end, but it's the last few years, and he was pretty unwell by the time he made this. Um, although still brilliant, um, but he's not a farmer. He's um, an aristocrat, basically disgraced yeah. by yeah. disgraced by the satanic leanings of his grandfather. Yes, yes. and that and I mean that's nothing. That, that's not love. Well, it's not. Lovecraft in that it's nothing to do with colour out of space, but, but that, that, that that is what happened yeah. in Charles Dexter Ward <laughs> and and in some of the other stories as well. There's there's disgraced ancestors and uh, the idea of ancestral traits being passed down, and that's quite a Lovecraftian thing. Um, and it, I think in this, it's, it's that that that's kind of they've they've kind of taken that yeah. element and. I mean, I mean, and they I mean, instead of actually being someone who's just accidentally in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, Nahum's, if that's how you say his name, is um, he's been actively um, experimenting with this thing. Exactly. He's, he's yeah. not. He's not precisely um, a victim. He has. Found this massive meteorite and thinks it's a massive opportunity to restore yeah. the family fortunes because yeah. he noticed certain properties, yeah, <laughs> properties that you or I might go, and indeed um, the hero of the film also goes, yeah, but that's because it's highly radioactive. Yeah. <laughs> Which in the color out of space, as I was, as I was reading it, I did think it, yeah, you know. Um, this meteorite probably was horribly radioactive, and it's yeah, worse. Yeah. But it, yeah, clearly, I, I think they were being somewhat unwise going so close to it and not yeah. just moving the instant it happened. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in, in *Die Monster Die*, Nahum's trying to trying to use it to to, to um, re- recover the name of Whitley, and yeah. but it doesn't work. Um, Let's talk about Boris, because 
Um, we saw him in the goal. Yeah, we did, which was at the other end of his career. Where he was still very much yeah. playing the creature, the monster yeah. in that phase. Um, but here, he's uh, he, he's very talkative he, because he's yes. not mobile. I mean, yeah. um, he, he, he's in a wheel. His character's in a wheelchair, which you see yeah. quite a few times in his later films, and it's not you know um, it's, it's not part of the character. It's that he mm. has suffered very badly with arthritis. Yeah. Um, he he also by this time um, was displaying symptoms of emphysema. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, and in fact, um, the director used that at the end. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you noticed, but if, if you, uh, well, we, we're not going to do a plot summary this 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 week. We're just diving right in. Yeah. Uh, warning: the traditional warning that's going to be spoilers. And here's your first spoiler. Um, right, right at the end, when he goes to attack them, he yeah. wants to destroy the meteorite. It goes with the axe. He starts this really heavy breathing. Right. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I think that genuine. I, I don't think he was putting that on. I think probably that ex- uh, exertion probably caused that. And the director went, "That sounds good. We'll have yeah. that." <laughs> but um, yeah, he just had severe lung disease. Right. So presumably that's not him when he's the the silver monster, or is that him? No. No. I think the mask looks like his face, hmm. but it can't be him. I yeah. thought it was the first time I ever saw yeah, this well, film. I thought it, it was. I, it. I'd like to point out I've not seen this film until uh, watching it for the podcast. So um, yeah, it does. It does look at him, and in fact, I made a note saying that he he because because Boris Karloff was very good at doing that thing where he could be quite act quite sort of old and frail, but also was able to project a, a physicality about him as well when he wanted to. See, um, that 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 monster. Um, I think was a stuntman with the, yeah. with the Boris Karloff mask on. Yeah. But um, if it was him, it's incredible because mm. he, he, he. No, I don't. Physically, I don't think no, he'd be capable no. of doing that. No. I mean, it's hard to tell because it's. But I. Yeah. I, I, I. Sadly, I don't think it was him. Um, okay. But he's. I mean, he's he's acting as good as ever, and he's plays Nahum. Uh, you know he. Uh, uh, as as a kind of haunted, failing yeah. patriarch. Yeah. Um, he he's not malign. I don't. No. He's, he's, uh, like 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 many such. He, he he's, he's doing he, this for for reasons he thinks are good, and yeah. he's not deliberately hurting people. But I mean, he's someone who's he's trapped by his his past and his mm. ancestry, isn't he? That's 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 and he's he just can't. Yeah, he, he he manages to portray that he can't really yeah. uh, escape that. Yeah, and I think, so I think he does that really well. In fact, actually, I'd go on to say that generally the cast, most of the cast, are fairly uniformly pretty good in this. There's, it's quite a small cast, but they're all, to me, I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm going to put my cards on the table and say the 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 plot of this was. Seemed a bit daft in places. It didn't really um, evoke the story for me at all, particularly well. But I was sold. I, I really enjoyed it because I loved the cast, and the cast was so good, and and they they just sold the whole story to me. Well, I know. So we can get onto the cast a, well, no, a later bit, but I, I think um, the thing I really wanted to say about Karloff is that um, 
he's, and I think I said this with the ghoul, but I'm going to say this again, he's generally associated with universal horror in that period, the gold age mm. of Hollywood, the horror um, films that, that, that they made in the 30s and 40s. But I think he's an important horror star in the, the late 50s and the 60s. And um, he made a lot of, well, you know, significant films during this period, yeah. of which Die Must Die is, is certainly one of them. But he was uh, he was in The Sorcerers, the Michael yeah. Reeves film. He, he was in Curse of the Crimson Altar, The yeah. Raven, the Comedy of Terrors, yeah. Corridors of Blood, and um, a personal favourite of mine was Targets. I love Targets. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, he 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 did a lot of good work. And the, the, this, the, this time, yeah, yeah, um, the which I think as well. Famous. I believe famously the terror, yeah, yeah so which I think uh, I, I do believe a lot of it gets overlooked though, because people do, as you say, concentrate on the universal stuff. And I, I guess you're looking at that list of films, and there's no, well, the Raven I think was quite successful, but they're not really big hits. But I, I, I think he wasn't um, at the same, well. I think he probably wasn't exactly the same level of fame as Vincent Price, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee by this stage, because people were just more used to Boris Karloff and he was obviously older. Mm. But um, he, he was playing those kind of roles. That, and, and, and in these, these this period, the horror films, it's very clear the main roles are always the the, the old patriarch or the, the, yeah. the creature or the... Um, um, the the professor investigating or the priest yeah, or whatever. Yeah. The, the main roles are never the young couple. The yeah. they're, 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 I think they, they were called the juvenile leads. Yeah. But they were never, they were not played by particular stars. They were no. <laughs> generally slightly annoying because people weren't meant to really enjoy their performance. It was, it was, you know, yeah. Lee or yeah, Peter exactly. that people were out there to, to yeah. laugh. And whereas Carlos was undoubtedly one of, one of those and really well suited to that kind of film. And that, it's one reason why I really enjoyed this this film because of Boris Karloff. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you're you're being <clears throat> generous about the uh, the juvenile leads <laughs> in in this film. Um, Suzanne Farmer playing um, Susan Whitley. Yeah. Um, Boris Karloff's screen daughter. Um, now so I, I think she was, I thought she was okay. I mean, this is obviously her first film because it's uh, introducing. And, Susan Farmer. And um, she later went on... She went on to do some other hammers, didn't she? Dracula, Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Um, yes, and you'll be particularly pleased, I think, that she was also in Blake 7. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, her character, which um, is nothing... There's no equivalent character in... Uh, well, I guess maybe the equivalent character would be one of the sons in Colour Out of Space, but there's no, there's no, no Susan Gardner, there's, there's no even, daughter. No, it I doesn't mean, even it, it, in Colour Out of Space, Nahum has three sons. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and uh, the Colour Out of Space was set in New England, whereas Die Monster Die is set in England. <laughs> <laughs> but Susan's obviously been to America because yeah. um, her. Her American boyfriend has come over. Yeah. Um, to Stephen Reinhardt. Stephen Reinhardt, yeah, played by Nick Adams, who, who yeah. as far as I can, was concerned, was just like a, a faceless American actor. Yeah. But um, looking looking into it, he he he, um, he was a friend of James Dean's and had a minor part in Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. 
was just a uh, was a, a job a jobbing actor, um, and whom sadly died a few years later. Yeah. But uh, one thing about his character was it I wasn't entirely sure what what he was doing there initially. He sort of turns up and I'm not. Unless I missed something, it wasn't entirely obvious why he was going there. Maybe he was going there on business. I, I, no, exactly. I just took it as to go and see his girlfriend. Yeah, it's only when he, he he starts doing the sleazy bit on there. Yeah, another American star that does a little sleazy bit on the the female lead. That I, I thought, I th- ah, I th- that's what it is. I think I think that kind of thing was considered romantic. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but but, but yeah, I, 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 know, I know what you mean. It makes you makes you cringe and yeah, and and, and, and I'm uh, trying to remember the exact line now, but I can't remember what it was. But he he, he says something that's that's just oh, again. Yeah. Um, at least but he's, it, it at least he's a, he a younger Amer- man. It, it, so I think it's important to say this wasn't the fact that he was American. I mean, no, it was no. just. A similar thing to another American character in Night of the Demon. You're talking yes, about. Yeah. but it was, it's it's sexism in these films. So yeah, it's what yeah. Yeah, that's that's the underlying issue. Um, and uh, his character has uh, again no particular equivalent in the Color Out of Space. I mean, I mean, in, in the Color Out of Space, there's a kind of there's a there's a there's a, there's a, there's a friend of Nahum's who, who who relays the tale years later, who's yeah. the kind of uh, observer of it, but um, he, he doesn't have any. It's not it's a totally different character to this character. Yeah. Um, also, um, there's a butler. Uh, Boris Karloff has a has a butler yeah. because um, you know in these kind well, of films everyone a has a butler. You've got to have a butler. <laughs> And he's played by quite an interesting character actor called Terence DeMarnay, who, if you look up, he were, if you look him up, he he played a lot of he, he apparently looked very gaunt, and and and, um, and played lots of characters that are much older than himself. Um, <laughs> uh, and, but he yeah he did he did lots of um, he was a noted noted writer and producer of plays. Uh, at quite a young age, and he starred in lots of different theatre productions. Um, Anything and, and relevant he, to British horror, though? That's the question. Well, the, the, I, he, he, yeah, I mean, he was in. Um, he, I think he was in a few bits and pieces, but he, he did meet a bit of an untimely um, death by falling under a. Tube train at Kensington High Street. Okay, in, in I 70s. don't need, I don't want to speculate on that. But so yes, I don't know um, if that was an accident. Or oh, not. so that's two minutes. So yeah, so and um, um, so I think I'd just like to um, point out that Frida Jackson, who plays Letitia Whitley, um, she was great. I thought. Yes, um, she, she she did a very good job as uh, Carlos wife who yep. uh, she's afflicted by a strange ailment that is obviously related to the meteorite yeah she's taken to her bed and it, um she goes crazy and uh but no uh she, she, I, th- I think that's, she, a, that's quite a well-rounded performance for Peter jackson and uh um she also was in one of the hammer draculas yeah right brides of dracula as uh as greta who uh the loyal servant of the Meinsters. 
Um, I mean, she was she was great. I thought because given that she had to act behind um, a thick curtain most of the time, she did a really good job of of, of portraying her her emotions and everything. Well, I'm as well. not going to argue with you. I I really enjoyed her performance. Uh, one other performance I did like, although it was one scene long. She got, appeared in Blake Seven as well. Oh well, mark of quality. Um, Patrick McGee as as yeah. Doctor Henderson. Um, now, Patrick McGee, a uh, staple of yeah. British cinema, and um, indeed... In not to be confused with Patrick McNee. No, sadly not Patrick McNee. But this, this Patrick McGee, um, you might remember from Asylum, and, um, yeah. Clockwork Orange, yeah. a great, great... He's in lots and lots of things, and the thing with him is he was, he's a very good character actor... Yeah, and and if he's in something, you can guarantee he's he's it's good quality. So in this, he plays the doctor, um, so the, the local doctor that is is a isn't a doctor anymore. Did they explain that? Was, yeah, was that it's he, alcohol related after the yeah. horror of treating the Whitleys. Yeah, and he's 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 does I think he does a fantastic job of again, bringing all that out in, in just his performance. I mean, it's a scene that's, what, about five minutes, if that? It, it's, it's pretty good, and it's, it's more or less um, the only break we have from being at yeah. the house. Yeah. Um, after we get there, I think it's the... Um, yeah. Uh, Stephen goes back to the village to find his doctor, and that's basically the only yeah. time we're ever out of it. Um, no, at, at the start, he'd come into the... Uh, Gone into the village to try and get uh, a taxi or some way to um, yeah to, to, to the Whitney place. Well, there's a taxi no... driver at the train station. Um, yes. Who 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 um, refuses to yeah no, to no, take him when no, he's no one will help to go. Him. No one help him. There's that rather odd trio of men drinking at the pub. Yes. Which to me, I look at them and one of them is quite well to do. And then there's the one that just is the loony one that keeps repeating everything. And to me, I'm, I'm looking at those and thinking, how would they ever be friends? But then they're drinking during the day, so you know, maybe maybe that's yeah, old old schoolmates. <laughs> and of course, um, this picturesque English village, um, yeah. with really the village of Sheer in um, Surrey, uh, is, is here representing the American town of Arkham. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. yes, which has been relocated <laughs> to England. Yes, yeah. in this film, it, the, it, it's so strange to see Arkham in yeah. the English village with a little picturesque church. And I have um, a feeling there might isn't there actually an Arkham in in the UK somewhere? Oh yeah, I believe we do have an Arkham. Yeah, there, but um, I, I, it's obviously not related no. to to the. Uh, the Lovecraft one. There's no Miskatonic River. No. <laughs> um, just, just on an interesting side note, there's a, a character called Potter, who who owns the general store, and he he has a, about two lines in it. He's played by a guy called Leslie Dwyer, who yes. people might more um, readily know as the Punch and Judy Man from Heidi High. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's funnier in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but what, what, what's the what's the get out of um, see, um, slash Arkham? Yeah. Um, st- 
the first time. Stephen walks past this big crater and this, yeah, um, like the blasted heath, which is yes, which yeah. is from yeah, kind of outer yeah. space. Um, and I thought actually that was some quite good. It was quite a good a matte painting, yeah, uh, and a bit of green screen. I thought, I thought that was, was I quite thought good. Was quite well and there's done. a couple of other bits that are actually visually quite yeah. striking. There's a, um, a, a a mad veiled maid called Helga that haunts yeah. the house. That See, I, I saw I saw her and thought we were, we were onto a woman in black crossover. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she, yeah she, she does look like the woman in black. Yeah. And um, she... Uh, that, that's quite effective. Yeah. And then I, I, I looked up the director, Daniel Haller. Yeah. Or Haller, I think. Um, yep. And I discovered that this was his first film but he'd actually been the art director on Haunted Palace and okay. the, the, the actual Edgar and Pope adaptions. Um, so his strong visual qualities were, were coming yeah. through because the, 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 the effects and the set design yeah. is all actually good. It's, it actually looks good. And then there's a scene in a greenhouse with the horrible plants and they go through to the potting sheds and there's like mutant creatures and it all looks good. Yeah. I mean, there are special yeah. effects in this film actually stand up yeah. really well. Yeah. And I think that's testament to, to, to the fact that we've got an art. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I was thinking that. I was thinking the one of the bits I really liked, although they, they could have made more of it, I think, it's over a bit too quickly, was the idea, in the book, the idea is, is that there's these... Um, these plants that bloomed for for ages, but the fruit was particularly sour, nasty yeah. and sour. But then they then crumbled and became quite because of grey and brittle. Grey and brittle, yeah. and there's a little bit of that, but they don't make enough of it. I don't think. No, 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 no think in, 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 in the story, there's a there's a well with poisoned water, which is yeah. where the colour sort of is, is is located at the bottom of the well. And there's no there's no well, sadly. Well, actually, yeah. no, that there is a well. There is yeah. a well, but it's in. It's in the house, and there's just a meteorite in it. Um, yeah, because yeah. Be, be, because the the kind of subtlety that you mentioned that was impossible to attack, yeah. obviously it's all done away with. And and so, um, I mean, this this film is revealed to be science fiction, but it, it, the yeah. meteorite is basically highly radioactive, and that's, that's it. Doesn't it. no, it does have a little bit of a disco moment in the greenhouse. There's a little bit of a disco moment going on with the, the different lights. And Oh yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. But it, again, that's yeah. It's not really. There's no. There's no like malevolent creature there. That's. It's basically the effects of some kind of weird astral radiation. Yeah. Just going back briefly to Daniel Haller because I was looking him up while he was doing the talking about that. He directed the the Dunwich Horror. I know he did. Yes. And then went on to direct loads and loads of TV episodes. I think from things like the, um, the Dunwich Ironside. Horror. Uh, which we may, may cover. Yeah. Well, no, we can't cover it. That's actually American. Yeah. Uh, well, well, like our film really should be. But um, yeah. um, yes. But he ran, directed Kojak, Charlie's Angels. I think Dunnish Horror was pretty much it for his film yeah. career. Um, but but Bachelor yeah, like, Star Galactica, Buck Rogers, which is the, like the, the American equivalent of Blake Seven. Yeah. The full guy. I love the full guy. <laughs> So you see, you see the the whole basically, pedigree. Basically, if if like us and watch lots of cheesy um, American action programs during the eighties yeah. and late seventies, um, he pretty much had directed an episode of all of them. So we've got BJ and the Bear. If you remember that, I do remember that. 
<laughs> misleading uh, title about a truck driver and his chimpanzee with no bear them too. and not many uh, BJs um, <laughs> yeah he did Airwolf and Street Hawk of course he did of course so, he did there we go anyway and I, 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 I say he was a good character. <laughs> I, I think um, yeah I, I think dying wants to die uh, has a lot going for it and I think you know, it's not the script. It definitely isn't the script that, that's, that's caused that. No, it's not. I mean, that that's the thing. As I think it it, it works despite the the script and the. the I mean, it, it, to me, it didn't. Director is Karloff, the other actor. Yeah, to me, it didn't. There was lots of things that didn't quite make sense, such as the bit in the. The, the greenhouse where there's the funny little jelly monsters, which, despite looking very silly, the sort of octopusy type things. I thought they looked a bit horrible. Despite looking oh, really I mean, silly, I think I think the, again it comes down to the directing that they, they they were dwelt on very briefly. So they they, if I, I remember, they're not even fully in shot, are they? No, they're, they're kind never of in the corner, a uh, corner of the shot, and 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 they they kind of wobble around a bit there's a bit in 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 the story which is which kind of unnerves me a little bit where it's described that the trees have a weird luminescence to them and that they they are prone to to swaying when there's no wind that's true and and that's something that I always found a little creepy and there's an element of that in those monsters in that they don't i think that if you've got a I mean, and let's face it, these would have been cheap rubber monsters. But I can imagine there's a temptation to kind of wobble them around and and shake them a bit. Whereas I'm sure they were sort of they were sort of swaying a little bit, and because it didn't dwell on it very long, that yeah. it, it it was more effective than than it actually yeah. had any right to be. I, I, think. Th- I think that reminded me. Of the, the end of the haunted palace, where I think there's a creature down the bottom of a yeah. pit in that, yeah. and it was just sort of similarly designed, and I think you know that was quite effective as as well, just because they didn't try and do more yeah. than they could. With well, it. They, <laughs> yeah. Although the thing that then undermines that is that that the Steve Reinhardt character seems really unbothered by it. He just comes out and he goes, "Ah, that was a zoo from hell." Or something along those lines, and he's he doesn't seem particularly. I think maybe he's a bit too hard man about it, and they well, made him a bit more. Uh, um, Susan get, then gets attacked by well, the, the plants. She gets attacked by the plants. Yeah, is that before or after? That was quite good as well. I thought, given that the last time we saw plants attacking people, back in um, Doctor Terror, it was pretty funny. Well, yeah. that wasn't badly done, but no. it was pretty funny. Yeah. Where, where, where it was, Whereas this was actually quite... The greenhouse was actually quite subtle. scary. It was much more um, Evil Dead, although not... No. Not, uh, <laughs> no. not, not in, in the horrible sexual way of the, the Evil Dead attack. Yeah. Response, but, yeah. But it was at least like a more of a credible threat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, quite easily dealt with, but not, not badly done again. You know, you know, this. I, I mean, this film doesn't have any kind of reputation at all. But I think that mm. is, is partly due to the fact that it, it, it's a like a as, as a that, as a Lovecraft adaption. It's not that great. No. As a British horror film, it's fine. Yeah, I think you almost <laughs> need to forget that it's a Lovecraft adaptation. I think it's more enjoyable if you. And, and a point you made a, earlier. I think 
it's really hard to adapt Lovecraft. I mean, yeah. this, this was this was like the British try. Yeah. And and you know, it's not a proper adaptation of Lovecraft. Uh, um, the Dunnage Horror, I think, generally considered to be quite a decent one. Haunted yeah. Palace is all right, but again, that that tries to be an Edgar Allan Poe type mm. thing, which is which is which is not. Yeah. Um, and um, and then you know, th- there've been a number of uh, attempts. I mean. There's that yeah. kind of splatter horror of the eighties reanimator and that. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. Dajon. Yeah, there was quite a few of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the unnameable. Yeah, the, the, that was yeah. The unnameable. I like that unnameable return. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, the, 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 the Lovecraft adaptation I really want to see though is uh, the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. I'd really like to see Lovecraft. That would just be mad. Well. <laughs> Yeah, cats jumping to the moon—that's what it's all about. <laughs> I think that is just insanely expensive as well. <laughs> oh, I mean, when I was done that, um, there was the the third adaptation of this because we talked about whether there were two or three. The second one was an eighties American one called The Curse, which has got Will yeah. Wheaton in yep. it. I saw I saw it in the video shop back in the eighties, but I never yeah. rented it. So I, I remember, can't. I say. remember seeing it as well. Did you ever rent it? No, no, I can't. I, no. Um, it's not very well regarded, is it? Um, and then there's a, a, a 2010 German adaption called Die Farbe. Ah, um, okay. And and that apparently is quite <laughs> it's quite loyal. Um, so I probably actually, if it's loyal, it's probably going to be horrible, like the original mm. book is. But I'd be interested to see that. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, we won't cover it here because it's German, but um, I think yeah. I'll probably try and watch that. <laughs> uh, I, I, but um, there's never been a Mountains of Madness film. No. They've come close a couple of times, yeah. but never made one. Um, it's hard. No, I mean... The nearest they get to a Mountains of Madness film is probably John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. I actually think that has a lot of despite not being based on a Lovecraft story, that has a lot of Lovecraftian stuff in it. Yeah, but that comes back from the, the thing from another world, which, <coughs> which you know... Um, it's closer to the original story, anyway. We're digressing massively. No, well, sort of. It's, the, the John Carpenter's the thing is closer to the original um, story. The um, Who Goes There. Yeah. But um, I, I, like, I, I, like, I like both versions of that was, uh, that was, that yeah. was, that was but I, I think it has quite a, a Lovecraftian feel yeah, to it. Yeah, there was with the John Carpenter tried a couple of other times for yeah. go for a Lovecrafty vibe, didn't he? But um, didn't there was a Sam Neill film? Yeah, The Mouth of Madness. Yeah, which it's despite the name. Yeah. Um, I quite like that. I liked it, but it wasn't. It didn't capture the no. Love, Lovecraft vibe for me. I don't think any. I mean, I don't think any of the films. Event Horizon. Yes. I think that comes close. Yes, I think you're probably right. That's like sci-fi Lovecraft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but I hope, anyway. I hope one day there is a, there is a a loyal but brilliant Lovecraft it, film. I think it is there to be done. It is, yeah. Uh, I don't think it should be set in England. But no. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless it's The Rats in the Walls. Yeah, which is set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, um, just getting back to, to the, the film in question. Um, we were talking about those, the, the monsters in the, in the greenhouse. Yeah. I didn't really understand what they were. 
Well, had he had had um, Whitley been experimenting on them? Were they failed it, experiments? I guess it must have been part of his plan to. Or because again, it's a it's a terrible plan. But I think I think he he thought he'd restore the family name by um, using the radiation to create these massive crops and yeah, probably, well they got and probably that. animals to go with it. This, these are probably oh, okay. failed attempts at farm animals. I so thought. so he he really was going explained. for the the sort of calamari market then. So he liked, liked a bit of squid. It would be a lot easier to get um, squid and octopus from a greenhouse than it is to get them from the bottom of the sea. You can yeah, see the logic. Yeah, you, can, you can see that. Yeah. 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 Um, it's not a very good plan. No. And it, so, so yeah, and it gets, was, that's what I wasn't sure of. I could understand that, that his family being infected is a bit of a, a, a sort of a side effect because that, that is in the book, the story as well. Um, but I didn't really get. They sort of hinted at that these were creatures he'd experimented on, which made him sound much more of a mad scientist than he actually was. I think he did lean towards mad science. Yeah. I think it's because he has, by his own actions, brought yeah. about his doom, which yeah. is the big difference. Yeah. From from the character in the original story, yeah. who's just bad, just unlucky. Okay. So so from this point. What I quite liked was the film just goes completely nuts. So you have the monsters, and then that's quickly followed by the plants in the greenhouse. Mm. So for the first first sort of hour, you've had this this sort of build up and hints of things and that kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden it all goes nuts. So there's that, and then he goes, um, and then there's a bit where they're 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 trying to head towards the cellar. And he opens the cupboard and there's a, the skeleton comes out. And oh, yeah, because this is, this is all the satanic paraphernalia. That's yeah, because, of course, you... And then there's a tarantula. There's a tarantula as well. Yeah, there's a tarantula. <laughs> and, <laughs> no and then there's bats. That makes no sense either. No, they're, they're actually, bats. They are, they're not actually... Again, they're quite well shot, so it's not as awful as they're, they usually are. Bats, bats never work in any of these films. I don't think there's any example where the bats... Actually, work not before CGI. You're right. No, so so again, so they, there's there's bats, and it just, it's just like they just decide to throw everything at him. Do you know what I was sort of reminded of when he when he's going off to the cellar? Rent a ghost, because <laughs> basically a, a lot of the seasons of Rent a Ghost ended where a character was going to go down into the cellar, and they would all go, "Don't go into the cellar," and then just some crazy stuff would happen off camera, and and then that series would end. <laughs> so it reminded me a bit of Rent a Ghost. Yeah, but Rent a Ghost was amazing. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the, the the monsters. Well, the the radiation turns the family members. Yeah. Um, well, Hel- Helga the servant into a slavering psychopath, and then yeah. and then the mother Letitia, and then finally Mayhem. And then uh, and there's, there's some quite good action because they they, they they basically turn silver and, and yeah. psychopathic. Yeah. And there's 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 like what, what happens to the the we haven't mentioned this, but it's not entirely clear what happens to the butler. Oh, well, he's dissolved. He's dissolved. You do see the outline. Is it? Yeah. 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 I couldn't. I couldn't remember. So yeah. he goes the same way that um, Letitia goes. Okay. Because yeah. it wasn't clear that earlier on that he was affected in quite the same way. No, but in the colour out of space, it happened very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess, I guess. They and and 
in, interestingly, they get ill, ill for a while, but they dissolve quite quickly. Interestingly, his character's name is Merwin, which is one of the the the, which is the, the sons, which in, is the younger son. The, the younger son. fate really upsets me when I read that yeah, book. Yeah, in in, in the story, <laughs> um, and he he also does when he when he faints in this story, he, he does great um, passing out acting. Managed to yank the tablecloth off and all the dinner and everything. Yeah. So anyway, but getting back back to, to sort of near the end of the film. Um, so we've had the bats, we've had the uh, thing, and then there's the bit where Letitia, his wife, mm. gets out and effectively goes a bit mad and totally dulalian and disintegrates. My feeling was that the family rejects her quite early on. Yeah. I don't think they can tell at that point that she's a psychopath, but because she looks a bit ugly because of the disease, yeah. they run from her in terror, which is pretty unfair. If, yeah. Because it's her mum and wife. She's got a skin disease, say. Eh? Don't go, well, <laughs> like she's got I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, you just look horrible. Oh. So, I mean, no, I, I, you've, got, you've got a patch of eczema, Mum. That's it. Yeah. No. But, I mean, they're, 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 and she's quite coherent and, and rational. A lot of it until until that end bit where she just goes absolutely loopy, and that's the bit actually where where it sort of tends to get. um, It's a bit where where um, Naam decides that actually he's going to tell them to escape, run for it, and he's going to go and deal with the 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 meteorite after he's after he's explained. There's like a five minute explanation of where it, what happened and where it's come from and everything so yeah he tells them that they're going to go and he'll go and deal with it and then it goes all disco that's when it goes disco well, it the it, lights kind of yeah yeah going everywhere know, but in fact you could quite um and you could you could superimpose get that bit of film and then play disco inferno over i, the top. I do that i do think quite it, cool. i actually thought it was done okay that the 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 bit when Letitia comes through the door, yeah. breaks through the door, is repeated virtually identically when Nathan does it yeah, about yeah. five minutes later, which I thought was possibly a poor decision, but yeah. but it generally does done all, all right. And of course, I'm sure you loved this when you saw it. The house catches fire. It does. I cheered. Yes, that's that, that, that. by 1965. That staple of British horror <laughs> has become immutable in a in the kind of space that doesn't that doesn't the happen. house doesn't burn down. No, it's but abandoned. They, but well, no, it does. It does. It's abandoned, and then it gets destroyed totally by the when the colour leaves. Oh no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But um, so it kind of does happen. It sort of, kind of does happen. But but then I think it's fair enough in this film because Lovecraft himself ends many of his stories. With a bolt of lightning striking a house and burning it down, uh, or something very similar. Loads of his stories end that way. Yeah, I think you're correct. So I. So I think that's fine, but I did cheer. Yeah. Because that's possibly is that the first one we've encountered? I think it's it? the first time. There's a couple of times where it's been close. It's nearly happened in the ghoul. It nearly happened. Yeah. But, but you know, it was a mausoleum, really, not, not a house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, it doesn't yeah. quite work. Yeah. And it, it didn't happen right at the end. Yeah. Oh uh, no! So no, that that was great. So, can I just point out as well that 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 I don't know if it was just me, but when Karloff is turns into the monster, and he's got all the silver paint in, on him, and and they've obviously smeared Vaseline on the lens or whatever they've done to kind of make him look a bit 
Smeary. Was I the only person thinking he looked like one of those living statues you get at Covent Garden? Uh, well, I don't know if you were the only person, because I wasn't <laughs> thinking it, but... Um, I could just imagine mm. him standing there very still, and then and then, and then then moving to scare a small child that got too close. If I, Karloff should have done that. And the trouble is... You, it wasn't Karloff, it just, but it should have done that anyway. It should have done. But it, it, it mean, it, I've always thought you can't trust those people. It's always something inherently dodgy about it. And there you go, they're all... They're all uh, possessed creatures from outer space. Medically speaking, I think you, your argument is a good one. <laughs> um, let's wrap this up. So we've got these three questions. Okay. Um, you, you traditionally ask them, so go ahead. Okay, so um, did we like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed this. I also really enjoyed the, the, the story it's based on, but the, the, the two aren't connected no, in the, any way the, according the, the to Lovecraft, uh, by my thinking the Lovecraft story is actually excellent and yeah. it's literature and it's, it's yeah. brilliant and, and you know everyone when we were when we were at school in, in, yeah. in the 80s we kind of discovered this but yeah. like everyone our age probably I think because I, th- I think there's an optimal age for weird. discovering now, Lovecraft now it's weird to meet someone who hasn't read Lovecraft yeah it's, but um, yeah whereas the Die Monster Die, it's not weird to meet people who haven't seen that. No. <laughs> but, there's probably quite a few people that and, haven't and, seen that. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's not a masterpiece, but it is very enjoyable. It is, yeah. And it, it wasn't that scary, which is the next question. Was it scary? No, it's not scary, no. No. Um, it's, it's effective. Some of effective moments, but um, you... There's, be, a, there's, no, there's a couple of good jumps in it, I think, still. Yeah, maybe. So a bit with the skeleton and, and a bit with Helga. Yeah, sort of suddenly appearing somewhere. It's not, bo- it's, it's not boring. This, this isn't no. a boring film, but no, no. It, but it's sort of. It, it, I think the first, the first sort of, the majority of the film is quite a, a slow, almost character piece, and then and then it bam just goes absolutely um, ape crazy at the end. And, and that's not going to frighten you, but. And the thing is, is that the, the bit where Karloff actually gets possessed and turns into the Silvery Man, I was looking at the running time and thinking, this this film's only got five minutes left, and it's just introduced another crazy element right at the end. So I think it, the, they, they save all this craziness for the last 15 minutes, and the rest of the film is much more traditional. But yes, no, I really enjoyed it as well. Um, and the last question we always ask is, does it hold up? Oh, difficult. I think, I, I would say... Uh, probably yeah, it does, but um, it's not the kind of. I think technically, there's nothing wrong with this film. No. So yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, not, I, I not think scare it's, anyone, but no, I think it's, it's. I think it's still a bit of a product of its time because it it's sort of not. I had trouble trying to place it. What sort of period it was meant to be set in, and I think it was fairly contemporary, wasn't it? It must be but it was, but it, it, and I, it didn't really. So I don't think it really holds up in that sense. But I think some of the directing in it and some of the the shots and stuff w- would wouldn't be out of place in something made now, apart from. Well, it, it, it keeps the camera it's still. Difficult. I mean, I don't think this would. Prob- well, I don't know how much this would ever have scared anyone. Mate. I, I I think by 1965 people have been too used to all yeah. the uh, uh, the little tricks of of, of the uh, 
the, the British horror film, and um, I think it was it, we, were, we were right in the middle, weren't we? But I think it was probably veering towards people enjoying them because they were amusing, yeah, and, and had good acting and good writing, rather than thinking that there was anything inherently scary. It's diff- difficult to know because obviously in the late fifties, this kind of stuff really was beyond the pale. But yeah. I'm sure by sixty-five, it wasn't. Um, no. So I think I don't. I mean, it holds up for me. I, I I don't know if 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 someone who didn't really like British horror films tried to watch this, I don't know how they would feel about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not I like it, Bra- it's not like The Hammer of Dracula, which is like it's so yeah. good that you couldn't tell. I, I I think it's quite enjoyable, and and the other thing it has on its side is it's quite short. Yeah. So, I I think I think you could probably show it to someone and it would pass the time and and they wouldn't necessarily so uh, find it unenjoyable. I'll, I'm going to stick with I think it holds up. Whether if anybody on Facebook or Twitter or our blog or anything wants to disagree violently with that, I'd yeah absolutely and, love to. Hear and we'd it. actually encourage them to disagree violently. I, I think I, yeah, people don't disagree with me enough on no. I'm getting a bit of a god complex. So disagree with me online now. Yeah, yeah, Chris is unbearable. So <laughs> go on, disagree with him. He, it's um uh, and and obviously even if you want to talk about um other other things, uh you want to talk about living statues, quite happy to talk about those and discuss those. Or even if you if you want to discuss more about the um sexual innuendos in in 80s animal truck driver related TV shows more than happy to talk about that as well but just give us some feedback you don't really talk about anything else (laughs) the ways (laughs) the ways to do that are on Facebook where we're very British horror Twitter where we're very Brit horror and also on our blog which you can find at a very British horror dot blogspot dot co dot UK and also you can send us an email and if you send us a lovely long email we might even read it out on one of the shows you never know well, and I the email address is a very British horror sensing a theme here uh, at gmail dot com brilliant so do please do that uh, oh yes very much so um, what are we going to cover next time next time we're going to Go a little bit weird, and we're going to introduce another big horror star, Vincent Price, and he's going to be the Abominable Doctor Fibes. Yeah, excellent. So, looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, well, until then, I have been Chris Denton, and I still am Paul Monk. Goodbye. Goodbye.